Alrighty, welcome back to the DWD podcast. As always, it's Joey here. Um, unfortunately, we do not have Asher because he's away at college, but we, miss him. we do we do miss him. But we do have an amazing guest today. Everybody, if you could give a, a good loud welcome uh, to Justin Lafazan. Joey, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being on here. So I want to get this podcast rolling by asking you a little bit about yourself. Justin, who are you? <laughs> uh, at, at this uh, time in my life, I finished school back in May, and I'm spending most of my time working on an organization called NextGen. We're trying to build a business hub that can energize the world's greatest entrepreneurs, give them the resources, the education, the mentorship that they need to level up in, in their businesses and achieve success. I am so driven to give other people access to entrepreneurship. We're really um, obsessed in the best way with the freedom that comes along with living your own life and shaping your own destiny. And we're trying to build resources to help young people specifically to do that. That's that's super great. I went to one of your summits. I have to say you did an amazing, amazing job. I met some some pretty crazy people that I think I would have never gotten into contact with. And uh, I'm, I'm thankful. For I'm really glad that you were there, man. That's what makes it so great. Sure, for sure. So where did this idea come about? When did you have the idea to start NextGen? When I was a junior in high school, I was really interested in business. I don't think entrepreneurship, but business. And I realized that uh, I didn't really know what I was doing with my life. I didn't know what I wanted to do for a career. So I decided to take some time off before going to school. So I committed to that before even applying to college. So once I had you know, gotten to college my senior year, I had the rest of my senior year and then time off before going to college to work on a business that I was thinking about. And it was a college admissions startup in the um, recruitment space. And I loved working on it. I was making money and losing money and hiring people and trying to grow and building a website. It was amazing. But the thing that I wanted more than anything, I think was number one, I wanted some freaking help on growing my business. I, did, I was making every mistake in the book. And number two was I wanted to meet other young people who were equally interested as I was in doing something more, doing something greater with their life, chasing an ambition. I wanted to surround myself with really great young people and I couldn't find them. I traveled all around the country, all around the world, going to conferences, universities, programs, trying to meet ambitious young people as, and as well as get resources for my own business. And I couldn't find the resources there. So I decided to build the resource myself. And six years later, that's where we are every single day, trying to help exactly who I was six years ago. An entrepreneur is trying to make it, they'll put in whatever it takes to get there, but they need help, they need energy to keep them moving on their journey. Mm -hmm. So was it a little bit daunting you know, as a senior, I'm, I'm almost one year away from being a senior. And I, I can tell you wholeheartedly that it would be a little bit daunting of a task to say, I'm going to take a gap year and follow my passion because most seniors don't don't even know what their favorite color is. For, for me, it's so funny. I um, So my junior year I was when I started thinking about what I wanted to do for a career and what I wanted to major in in college. That's when you start, I think, thinking about it. College applications are right around the corner. And I started watching a lot of TED Talks. And one of the, the TED Talks that stuck with me that I'll never forget, a guy named Scott Dinsmore, uh, who passed away shortly after um, I, I watched this, but we had a, a really um, a great relationship for that really short period of time. He gave a TED Talk called How to Find and Do Work That You Love. And he opens with this stat that I'll never forget. I think about it all the time. He says, 81% of Americans are actively disengaged at work. They hate their jobs. They want to be somewhere else. So Scott puts it this way. 
everyone gets the same general career advice, which is to go to a really good college and get good grades and get a good internship and become partner at a law firm and retire when you're 60. They all get the same advice and everyone ends up equally miserable. So there must be something broken here. What, what is wrong? There's, this doesn't add up. And I was obsessed with thinking about that. Uh, so I knew I just needed time. I needed time to think about myself. And gap years um, in 2013 were not as popular as they are now. They're still not very popular in the States. But look at Europe, look at the Middle East, look at Asia. A lot of these organizations have uh, programs where you have to take time off before going to school. The, the paradox I think about is you're a senior in, in high school. You have to raise your hand to ask permission to go to the bathroom in math class. Three months later, you have, you're asked to declare a major for the rest of your life. That does not add up. So I, I think it's the best decision I've ever made in my life, hands down. For sure. So what did, what did the startup process look like? Were people critical of what you were doing? Were they saying, Justin, what are you doing? Go to college. You got into school. What, what are you doing? Yeah, for my senior year, I think people thought it was cool that I had a business and, and on the side. And then all of a sudden, all my friends went away to college and I was living at home and working on this business that had no results. And I do think people were wondering, what are you doing? What are you, what are you after? And that was really frustrating and really hard. But I am reminded that um, you have to stay the course. I think really big things take a really long time to build and success doesn't happen overnight. So I'm constantly reminded every day to keep going, keep going, keep going. But at the time it was really hard. A lot of friends didn't support the decision I was making. They didn't really understand it. I'm thinking, I'm trying to do something different. And I didn't have the right influences in my ear telling me this is possible. There's a community of entrepreneurs out there who are excited about the idea of building your own life. But no one in high school that I was surrounded with really was talking that way. So I think it really underscores the importance of surrounding yourself with positive and ambitious people who are like-minded. Mm. I think it's really funny that you say that. I was sitting in class a few days ago, and we were talking about what, what we were intended to do for the future, what jobs you want. And you heard a lot of doctors, you heard a lot of lawyers, you know, the typical, you know, like you're in a suburb, you want to succeed sort of jobs. And everybody was saying, I want to work for, I want to work for, I want to work for, blah, blah, blah. I want to work for JP Morgan. I want to work for na name X company. And I'm sitting here like, I don't want to work for anyone. I want to work for myself. And when I said that, people gave me the weirdest look ever. Yeah. What do you have to say to the people who want to work for someone for the rest of their life? And how can they, you know, lead their own path if maybe if they don't even know um, that they can pave their own path, how would you direct them towards you know, finding their own destiny? I think in high school, um, the reason that it's not more common to be thinking about this is you've never had it any other way. So you've been told since you were born until the, the age exactly that you are now, exactly what to do every single day for the rest of your life. And some people really integrate that into themselves that, oh, I, I like having a clear set goal Here's what I am set to do. Here's what someone told me is important. I'm gonna go achieve that. I think that's really fine and really healthy. I don't think that everyone, I used to think that everyone should be an entrepreneur. I no longer think that. I think that it's fine and it's healthy if you want to go have a more stable existence. But what attracted me to entrepreneurship was the concept I could have ultimate freedom. When I talk about freedom, a lot of people think about, oh, I can do whatever I want. I can sit on the couch all day. To me, an author named James Clear says this really well, freedom is not 
freedom from responsibility. Freedom is being able to choose your own responsibility. And I really like the idea of why don't I choose what's important to me and what I want to spend my time on? We have such little time on this planet. Why not work on something that really lights you up? So that I ended up writing a book about about a year after this has started happening about how can you find work that really electrifies you, but you've never been told anything else. You've been going to school, you have a bell system every 40 minutes you move along. It's hard to know that anything else is even out there. Point actually. Um, so I was reading, I forgot which self-development book, I'm sure you can name it. It's, I think it's by something Csikszentmihalyi, High. And you talked about type, I think it's float, maybe, maybe, I don't know. Um, but he talked about type one motivation versus type two motivation. Type one motivation being like short-term goals, which you have maybe monetarily, and then type two being something along the lines of in terms of the long term for your own personal growth, um, not really allowing for outside factors to interfere in your goal achieving process. When you started um, NextGen, was your goal monet like monetary or was it something else? I think it's so funny that you ask. My answer then is probably the same now. Is money a goal? Money's definitely, I, I would like to be wealthy. I would like to be successful and I would like our business to be able to be profitable and, re and produce an incredible return. Is money the, the end all? Not even close. I don't even think about, I'm not thinking about money, but money is the whole name of the game. It's a, it's a really, it's a paradox almost. Uh, what I am driven by is to see how well we can do, see how far we can take this. How good can we be? How large can we grow? How impactful can we, can we become? It's very intrinsic motivation. I was talking to this guy the other day and he said he ran into Jeff Bezos at a conference. And he said, I'm thinking about what in the world do I go up to Jeff Bezos and tell? So he ended up going up to Jeff Bezos and he said, Jeff, I just wanna let you know I'm a huge fan. I'm like a big customer. Jeff looks at him and says, Jason, thanks so much. How can we be better? And I really took that um, to heart. He signs off all of his annual letters, Jeff Bezos. It's just day one. He's just getting started. I mean, how scary is that this to think about? Scary, how big Amazon is going to oh be? My God. But I think a lot of the the successful leaders that I really admire, money's the name of the game. They uh, money's a byproduct. Money's a means. But the end is self improvement. It's development. It's impact. It's fulfillment. It's so much larger than any one thing. But at the same time, I think there's this weird conversation in high school where if you admit that you want to pursue money, uh, you are looked down upon. Oh, you want to go work in finance because you want to be wealthy? Shame on you. Shame on you. If that's what you care about, why is that shame on you? It's your own life to live. But that thinking doesn't come about when you're in high school. You're not told to think for yourself. So what the education should be is self-directing, teaching you to choose for yourself. So if you want to choose to pursue money, go pursue money. Sure, that's amazing. I think that we could probably talk about something better. Um, but for me, money is not an outcome. But I, I don't hide the fact that I would like to make a lot of money. I think that it, um, it's fine to be proud of that. For sure. So being an entrepreneur obviously is very trivial. Um, you don't know what's going to happen in the next week, next month. Money may be good some months. Money may be low other months. So based on you living such a kind of trivial lifestyle out on your own into the into the wilderness of business if you will how do you quantify success like what's the metric which you use to say i'm on the right road 
so there, I think there's probably two planes of answers. In business, we use a goal-setting framework called OKRs, Objectives and Key Results. So every quarter, we sit down and we say, what do we want to achieve for the quarter as an organization, as individual teams, and then as individuals? Every single person across the entire organization sets out their objective. What would a win be for all the effort that we're doing? And then we have a roadmap, which we reference for that even longer term vision, one year, three year, five year. So we do have tangible business goals that we try to measure. What I think is a sign of success is I've put in a long day. I, I am, today is a great example. I've been back to back all day. I've had an incredible day. This is going on hour 12 that, that I've been here. It's been an amazing day. I'm gonna leave here tonight and I'm gonna get back to my apartment and I'm gonna be thinking, we have so much work to do. And that for me is, is success. The um, journey of getting better, of improving 1% every single day, that's one of our team philosophies, team values. That's success for me, enjoying the journey of getting better. Uh, there are a lot of people who, I think in high school and college, are like, I'm gonna be happy, I'm gonna be successful when X happens. But if you keep saying that you'll never achieve it, for us, I really want to enjoy the journey of building. And we have a long way to go. We are just getting started ourselves. That's success for me is getting home every day, putting in an unbelievable day, seeing progress, but knowing we're, we're just getting started. Were you always like that? Were you always that internally motivated to kind of pave your own path? Uh, in second grade, my... Um, my teacher, who I haven't spoken with, I didn't really told the story out loud. Her name is Ms. Kantz. And she um, had like a parent-teacher conference with my parents. And I, I was doing really well. I was like probably the top student in the class. Second grade. I'll never forget this. My parents come home and I like always wait up after parent-teacher conference, see how it went. They said, Justin, Ms. Kantz said that you're not living up to your potential. And so I, I, that, that really resonated with me. That sunk with me. And then um, about 10 years later, maybe a little bit longer. I had another mentor look to me, and I, that was at a time when I was, I think, achieving most the most visually outward success. People were congratulating me on, on various things. And he said, Justin, I, I think that you're not even close to living up to your potential. And that was the biggest like punch in the gut to me, because the thing I'm driven by more than anything is trying to live up to my potential. So I am motivated, for better or for worse, by that, about trying to be the best that I can be. And it has downsides, but I've always been the kind of person where if you come to me and say that I think you can do better, I'm not sleeping that night. I, I need to figure mm -hmm. out how I, how I can be better. For sure, for sure. I, I love how you said I had a great day before. And a lot of people, I mean, I see people coming home from work 24-7. I was just on the train. People look stressed out. How are you so happy all the time? Like, I'm genuinely curious. First time I met you probably over the summer, you were just oozing with charisma. And I have no clue... I, I don't know what it was. I don't know. What's the secret sauce to Justin Lafazan? Thanks, man. I have a lot of bad days, I think, like everybody else does. And I'm, I experience a whole range of emotions. But I try to wake up every single day. And um, I, I am one of those people of a really good morning. I like, I like I wake up really early. I get here before anyone else gets here. And I try to just set my intention to have a really good day. And uh, so many times we just go through the motions. And especially if you work a job that's really demanding, it's like you get up every day, you work, you go home. You get up every day, you work, you go home. Are you, are you actually present in that moment? Are you enjoying your life? Uh, so I think I'm very attuned to the fact that we got to enjoy it. We have to savor it. So this conversation, I'm, I'm, I'm having a blast. I'm really enjoying it. And I'm trying 
and it's hard and I'm not perfect, no one is, but I'm trying to actually just remember this and be in the moment right now and realize this is, this is fun for me. I'm gonna remember this and, and really be present. I have not always been that way, but I've, I've made an effort over the last year or two to become more present. And we have the most amazing lives. Uh, the backgrounds that we have, we're so blessed beyond belief. Uh, if we could just remember that more often, I think more people would be pretty pretty jacked up. I also love what we're building. So sure. I'm also pretty pumped sure. about that. So what, what are you building? What's the next step for, for next gen? So the core will always remain the same. We are trying to energize entrepreneurs, give them the resources they need to have momentum on their journey, get the wind at their back, and eventually achieve success, achieve that freedom that they're chasing to design their own life. We've done that through an events community. We've done that through a strong digital community. And we're now looking into building physical communities. So how can we leverage real estate, development, owning and operating in a way that can further enhance the entrepreneurial life? How can I support an entrepreneur's journey with real estate by building a physical community, perhaps for him or her to live, work, play, work out, achieve success. So we're thinking about building physical structures and, and physical properties that can support the entrepreneurial journey. And that is just gonna be one of many things. I'm gonna be working on this company for a really long time. I think I'm pretty com comfortable with that. So this is the next thing we see real estate as the next step of another tool that we can cultivate and build to help entrepreneurs achieve success. For sure, for sure. Um, so a lot of people you see in their Instagram bio, it says entrepreneur. A lot of people don't know what that means a lot of times. What, what is an entrepreneur in your mind? In my mind, we are at NextGen trying to lead a changed definition. So traditionally an entrepreneur uh, is someone who our parents, when they grew up, an entrepreneur was someone who couldn't get a job, frankly, and had to like make it by on themselves. Then all of a sudden, I think thanks to Gary Vee, entrepreneurial you know, thinking became the sexiest thing. Everyone's now an entrepreneur. I don't think that's true either. I think there's something in the middle. I think an entrepreneur is someone with a mindset of doing a few things, of creating opportunities, and that word create is really important, and then solving problems. So I think you could have a job in a large corporation, but be an entrepreneur. You may be an intrapreneur. You can be working on a side project. You can be in college. But if you're someone who gets up every day and say, says, I want to create something new out of my mind, <laughs> like what a wild concept. You could create a business out of your mind. I want to create an opportunity for myself to solve a problem that I think is an entrepreneur. And we're going to spend a lot of time over the next year trying to define and tell stories of great entrepreneurs who aren't running their own businesses, but are leading that type of lifestyle. For sure. So I know that you mentioned Gary V. I'm in love with Gary Vee. Me v. too, of course. I love every second of every minute of content that he posts. But I think that he's really captured what social media can do for entrepreneurs or someone trying to publicize a message. Um, from your perspective, how do you think that social media has changed the way that entrepreneurship has functioned? Um, I'm, I have such a mixed relationship. I think everybody does. Um, we, I have a very public uh, persona with the brand that we're trying to build, but I have a ver very low key profile outside of work. And that's because I'm still trying to figure out, that could change. I might calibrate my own interests in social media. The biggest problem is this mimetic effect of, I see this person doing that thing, oh, that must be the right thing to do. Or that person must be having more success, or they're happier than I am, or they're gonna be more wealthy than I am. Because we only see the highlights. You see this curated feed of what people want to show you. And I think that's really uh, dangerous. 
it's almost healthier to have your own voice. Cal Newport and Deep Work talks about um, the average American doesn't spend any time during the day with their own brain. They have someone else's brain in their brain. You're listening to music, a podcast, your boss talking to you, you sit down at work, you have another podcast in, you're on the train, you're listening to other people, you're listening to music. You never sit time with your own thoughts. You're on social media, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. You're looking at other people's lives. Unless you stop that and let your own voice come through, you'll never realize who you are. So I'm trying to find a balance between how do I use social media as a, as a tool? It is the most amazing tool. We run a Facebook group that's the most amazing thing. I can connect with friends. I can get build community. But at the same time, it also has that negative effect of letting people uh, fall away from themselves. So I think I'm trying to figure it out, man. I think high school is dangerous. I think a lot, especially your generation coming out with new tools, mobile first. I think it's really scary. Um, I, I wish you luck, man. For sure. I mean, I think the older generations are, by all means, you're not old, but my parents are even feeling the wrath of technology. It's new to everyone. It's new to people who are 40, people who are 80, people who are just, you know, two years old. And it seems like everybody has a tablet or phone in their hand. And it's, it's fairly corrosive. I, I love that you mentioned Cal Newport in his book. I think it's Cal Newport, Digital Minimalism. Yeah, he has, he has yeah, two. Yeah. That's the new one. He talks about doing the digital detox, mm. getting yourself away from social media, recalibrating your relationship. Mm. It's a little bit daunting to, you know, take a step back because we're so, um, it's not even physically attached. We're emotionally attached to our devices. I mean, I, I can remember just last week I unfollowed someone on Instagram because I wasn't enjoying their content. I mean, being a conscious individual that I am, I have I have the jurisdiction to do such a thing. And I got a message from the no person. No way. Yeah, like it's it really hits home for a lot wow. of people. So, of course, you're not an expert at this sort of stuff. Neither am I. What can you tell the common American, common person, the common person who's listening to this podcast right now um, about how to deal with social media and use it effectively as a tool, like what you did for NextGen? Yeah, I mean, for me, I can only speak to my own experiences and talk about what I've tried. I've been playing around with my own habits on social for a really long time. The one that has been really great is I try not to check my phone for the first hour in the morning. That is really hard to do because most people use your phone as your alarm clock. Just buy an alarm clock. They're like 10 bucks, like super cheap. Uh, and that allows me to spend at least the first hour of my day, letting my own thoughts come through, focusing and having an intention to have a really good day, to grow today, to be focused today, to be present today, uh, instead of reacting. So the the parallel I'll say is, you wake up in the morning, the first thing you do is you don't like stuff a bunch of donuts down your throat. You don't put garbage in your body right away. The second most people wake up, this is what they do, ready? Alarm goes off, let me turn, scroll on Instagram. The, the first thing you're gonna do is put poison into your brain. That's wild to me. So I think the best thing I could recommend is just an easy tool. Don't use your phone right away. Get an alarm clock. That alone, I think you'll, I think you'll, you'll feel an effect. For sure. I remember hearing somewhere on social media, which is kind of, of ironic. Um, I think it was Jay Shetty. Do you know who Jay mm -hmm. Shetty is? Yeah. yeah. So he was. He made a post saying, "Would you let a thousand people walk into your room right now?" You're just chilling on your bed, you know, watching some Netflix. Would you just let thousands of people yes. just zoom into your room? And obviously, the, the innate response is no. Why? Why the, why the heck would I let that happen? Yeah. Well, he said, "That's what you're doing every single day. Every single day. Every single day. Um, for sure." So, I want to shift the conversation a little bit to role models. Did you have any role models starting up, or do you have any role models currently which you use as motivation to keep on moving day after day? Uh, so. Tim Ferriss came out with the book Tribe of Mentors um, a couple of years ago. I think it's a really great resource. And 
um, when I first read that book, I was frustrated because I didn't have one mentor. I have a lot of mentors in my life. I have my father, I have business mentors, I have peer mentors. I have a lot of mentors in my life who I really look up to, but I felt frustrated that I didn't have one. I feel like in the movies, it's like one mentor that you look up to. But after rereading Tribe of Mentors, I, I got a way better picture that you don't want to have one. You don't want to have a tribe of mentors. You want to have a group of individuals. So I didn't have one, one mentor my whole life, but I've always tried to be conscious of finding people who I'm resonating with, who are older, more experienced, more successful than I am, and try to learn from them. I've always been conscious of that. The the thing I, I am pretty uh, a stickler about though, is I think you can have a mentor unless you, some part of you is like, I like their life. Like I dig what they're doing. You can learn from a lot of people, but a mentor should be someone who you're really proud of and you aspire to represent that character, that trait that they're teaching you. So young people are looking for one mentor. Maybe there's not one mentor that you found. Go find 20. Um, I did not have that many in high school. I looked online and that's when I started watching these TED Talks. So I watched Scott Dinsmore's TED Talk in 2013. I sent him an email. I didn't know that that was a thing people did. I was just called. I said, I need to have this guy be my mentor. I sent Scott a lengthy email and I said, Scott, can you be my mentor? And he replied, hey man, like thanks so much for your kind words. I, I'm happy to just answer any questions for you, <laughs> but I don't wanna be your mentor. Um, and that like was like a reality shock that it's lower the stakes for yourself. You don't need to go and make this grand ask for someone to be your mentor. Just start asking questions to smart people that you look up to. And the ones who have good things to say, maybe those will turn into your mentors. So who, who's been one of the most impactful mentors that you've had, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, I'll share. Um, one that comes to mind is a man named Rich Keller. Rich ran the brand of Godiva. So this amazing corporate executive, brand visionary. And uh, right around the time of his midlife, he decided he was not super happy and fulfilled at work. So he left the most amazing corporate job of all time to help young people figure out their own brands. And we got connected and uh, Rich um, forced himself to help us. We, Rich came to us and he said, I'm gonna help you build your brand. And I was like, Rich, thanks, no thanks, hang out with you, kind of ignored him. And he came back and he, he gave us a whole action plan. And he said, I think you, what you're doing here is really special. Having a lot of impact, it's changed my life in a way that I can't even describe to you. Um, let me help you. And since then, Rich has been, this corporate executive with the most amazing job has left his job and now trains every two weeks, spends a full day, we've worked for 12 hours, comes into the office, works with our team on our brand strategy. Rich helped me fall in love with my brand again and that's because he pushed me to be a better leader, to understand my brand, to be thinking consciously about it. So I got really lucky with Rich, um, but there are other mentors that I have really sought out and said, hey, can I talk to you about this? And some of them, they wouldn't even realize I'd probably call them mentors, but I have tried to build a tribe at another really great, a great story. My sophomore year of college, I, uh, with my partner Dylan, tried to raise a venture capital fund. We said, we're cool, let's try to raise $10 million. And one of the best meetings I ever had in my life was with a billionaire um, private equity owner who is an uh, owner of a major sports franchise, well-known individual. I, got, I like, snuck my way into a meeting with him. So I put on my suit, go to New York for the meeting. I'm in Philly at the time. I'm feeling amazing for the meeting, okay? I sit down and I give him the pitch. 
This is the first time we've ever met, but I really look up to this guy, brilliant guy. Give him the pitch. Let's, sis, listen, first five words out of his mouth, you are an effing joke. I was like, no, we're not expecting that to come out of your mouth. Went for 45 minutes to basically rip me to shreds on why the idea was bad. Gave me some good feedback. I'll never forget that meeting. He has come around to, he didn't invest, and is now a personal mentor of mine. We meet pretty regularly. But I think the best, some of the most informative mentors for me have been the ones who've said, Justin, you suck at this, but I think that you can do way better. So you want a lot of different types of mentors. In my book, I talk about the different types. You want the cheerleader who supports you. You want the visionary who gives you ideas. You want the coach who kicks your butt to be better because they know you believe in them. So I, I've been really fortunate to have Rich, to have this, uh, this mentor, have many other mentors who've helped me on my journey. How did you how did you get your way into getting a meeting with him? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, I uh, I think people don't ask. For sure. So I had a friend whose dad knew him. So I went to my friend and I said, Hey, can you have your dad ask this guy for a meeting? I went to this four degrees of connection, um, but who no one asks. I just asked. Yeah, I'm, I've noticed that a hundred percent with our podcast. I mean, we've gotten some amazing people on on some of our episodes, and all that it really requires is to have some balls and to yes. send a cold email. Uh, the art of cold emails is super, super valuable. Yeah. I've noticed, and a lot of times people are just afraid to take the initiative. I think people are thinking about the cold email. What do I say? How do I structure it? How do I just do it. <laughs> you'll you'll get better at it. Just do it. No one asks. And if you don't ask for what you want, how are you supposed to get it? So I know that the business world is, from an outsider's perspective, a lot of times they're thinking businesses for sharks. It's people are always trying to, you know, cut you at your knees. They're always trying to mess with you. Um, from your own personal experience, I know that you mentioned the story with Rich and um, the the billionaire guy who who runs um, a sports company. How do you think that is that like a usual situation for you where people are just like a hundred percent happy to help you? all the time or is it like, or, or, or is there certain situations where people actually follow the stereotype of kind of just like F off Justin, no one wants to hear yeah. you. Yeah, I think there's obviously probably both types in the business world. Um, but there's a phrase that I really like, I've started using now a lot. I met with the CEO of a billion dollar company uh, recently and we met through a mutual friend. He gave me two hours of his time, gave me some great feedback. On the way out, I said, Mike, thank you so much for making the time, really appreciate it. He said, Justin, I think you're one of the good guys. So we gotta stick together. This is a 60-year-old executive, massive company he's running, but one of the good guys. I, I really like that phrase. Uh, the most amazing leaders that I, the businesses that I look up to, a lot of those leaders are really great people. And if you really get to know them personally beneath their brand and their aura, they're like nerdy people who are obsessed with their product and their mission and love business. So yeah, there's some dicks out there. Um, but there are a lot of really great people, but we look at a brand because you see them on social media and you see, I know what this person is. You don't get to know them. They're just a person. So you got to ask. So how do you, how do you cut out those negative people or do you not cut out those negative people? What do you do when you face someone who's negative? <laughs> it's hard, man. Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. I think as you get older, I'm really young as well. You, your circle refines. So um, a mentor of mine, Greg Reed, says it's the hand in the sand method. So you scoop up a bunch of sand, and then you kind of let a lot of stuff fizzle out of your fingers. And what's left in your palm is the good stuff. 
So maybe when you're getting started as an entrepreneur or you want to become well-networked, you meet a lot of people. So for two to three years, I met a lot of people. And then I kind of settled into, all right, I really think I like these people. These are people are treating me well. I'm growing a lot from hanging out with these people. And you just start to refine who you spend time with. Um, there's the obviously really famous quote of you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So like audit your calendar. Think about who am I actually spending the most time with? Are those the people that you would like to share a journey with? I really spend time with nobody outside of my work family and my real family and a couple of really close friends. And, and that's fine for me. I think quality over quantity. And it's hard. You got to let go of some friendships. Um, if anyone else has good advice, I'm looking to hear some as well. For sure. It's tough. For sure. I think one last question, then we're going to wrap it up. So I know that you talked a lot about the education system. And a lot of times it almost puts us on this almost jail-like schedule of you hear a bell, you leave the class, you enter the class, you eat lunch for 45 minutes, you go back to class. It's, a, it's an insanity workout. Um, so through that same vein of thought, do you think that the current education system which we have, i.e. elementary school, high school, college, graduate school, whatever you might want to pursue in the future, do you think that it's necessary to become an entrepreneur? What a great question. You're at, you saved the big one for last year. We're in a really biased position as well. So we have, on one hand, our major investor is 1517 Fund. These are the folks who launched Peter Thiel's Thiel Fellowship, giving the greatest young people under 20 100 grand to drop out of school and build their ideas. So we got that group. Then on the other group, 85% of the US News's top 100 colleges are clients of ours and send student entrepreneurs to our programs. Who And these people really believe in student entrepreneurship. So where do you fall? What do you do? Um, I, I think that we put on a debate every year, Next Gen Summit, um, and between the dropouts and the, and the student entrepreneurs, talking about education, talking about entrepreneurship. And there's two takeaways that people always agree with that I think are really spot on. The first is that you need more time as a young person to answer that question for yourself. So maybe the school system doesn't give you enough opportunity to figure that out. Uh, so everyone really likes gap years. I took gap years. They're an amazing, best decision I've ever made. But the second piece that everyone agrees on is not everyone needs to be a business owner, but everyone needs to at least have an entrepreneurial mind where you realize it's on you to create the opportunity and to solve problems. You need to self-direct. And that skill is unfortunately not taught to the best ability in school. How you choose where you want to go and then reach those goals that is something that everyone agrees on, that we should be hopefully helping young people realize more. You don't have to go start a business, but be able to figure out what you want and then devise a plan to go get there. Amazing. Amazing. Justin, thank you for this conversation. I really enjoyed it. I'm sure that they enjoyed it as well. Now's your time to say anything that you want to say about um, NextGen, shout out certain things, um, kind of like plug your company if you want to, or just say what you ate for dinner last night. Really up to you. Joey, thanks for having me on. I think you and your brother are doing something really special here. I really appreciate it. If there's anyone out there who uh, thinks of themselves as someone who wants to meet other great young people who are thinking about doing something amazing with their lives, go to ngsummit.com. We have free 24 7, 365 resources, including an online community, totally free, where entrepreneurs can get access to speaking opportunities, press, conferences, scholarships, grants, you name it. We're constantly building those resources. So ngsummit.com, shoot me an email if anyone wants to chat, justin at ngsummit.com. And I look forward to hopefully connecting with you. Joey, thanks for having me. Amazing. Thank you, everyone. This is a DWD podcast. As always, peace. <laughs>